Welcome, and thank you so much for tuning in to Rock Church's message. We are so excited that you are here today. We hope that you leave today encouraged and know that you are loved by God. And everybody longs to have purpose, to be honored, to be loved. From one week to the next, we can think we're doing okay, and the next thing you know, we're we're struggling with what's my purpose? How come I feel so unloved? How come people don't speak into me with kind words? The overwhelming thought in my mind this morning as we come together to study this particular characteristic of love is that there are a lot of people in the room that just don't feel loved. They just don't. Even the pastors don't feel loved at times. I heard a story about a preacher who was standing by the door greeting people as they were leaving. And all of a sudden, a man came along and he said, Pastor, thanks for the message. I'd have to say that you actually are smarter than Einstein. The pastor didn't know what to think for a moment. He just thought, well, thank you very much. He had no idea what that meant. And so all week long, he replayed that man's words to him. Pastor, I believe that you are smarter than Einstein. And he almost couldn't wait till the next week to see if that man would come back and if he would say anything. And sure enough, the man was there at the door and shook the pastor's hand. And then the pastor said to him, you know, I'm just curious, all week long I've thought about this, but last week you, you said to me um, that you're smarter than Einstein. Can I just ask you to share with me what you were actually thinking? What was going through your mind when you said that? And the man replied, well, brother, they say that Einstein was so smart that only a few people in the entire world could even understand him but you're even smarter than Einstein because no one can understand you. <laughs> like all of us are waiting for something nice to come out of people's lips. You're, you're waiting for your husband to say something kind, something honorable, not something rude. My wife and I have crossed the senior citizen line and uh, so we get into the movies cheaper. I don't have an ARP card. I should. I'm 66. And we get into um, Cracker Barrel. You can eat off the senior menu. But we don't need the senior menu because we have it figured out in town where the cheapest places are. There's almost nothing under $5 anymore. In fact, we noticed on the menu last night at Cracker Barrel that they now had $5 breakfast. And I said to Josiah, well, what's included in the breakfast? Read it to me. An egg. <laughs> oh, and you get a piece of toast. Do you know how much an egg costs? I have that all figured out. If you get the jumbo eggs at Meyer, it's like $1.39. Eggs are actually up a little bit. And um, you get a big egg. So it's about 10 cents each. And you're going to charge me $5 for an egg? I hope that goes with all the free biscuits you can eat, because then it's worth it. But we actually have it figured out that 
Cracker Barrel is pretty cheap. You can eat for about six bucks a big meal. We had a new waitress last night. She was very tall and looked like she was about 40 years old. And she was a little bit hunched over. And I, and, and I said to my wife, since I was in the restaurant business, I understand how hard waiters and waitresses work and how much they're demeaned by the people that they wait on. People are mean to waiters and waitresses. You got that? So be nice. I was going to title my message this morning, Be Nice. And so I said, I said to our waitress, you did a wonderful job. You're a hard worker. And I'd already told her that we come in there once or twice a week because we're like seniors and we know the whole menu and we know what the good deals are. So in response to me at the end of the meal, she said, well, when do you come in? Like, what? days and I said we usually come at night she said well I hope I get to wait on you again well I don't know what she was going through but I'm standing on the keyboard over there and I didn't have to look very far to think "Mm, there are people hurting in this room and you don't even know why you aren't even aware of that there are people hurting because they don't even remember the last time that somebody said something really nice to them And there are people hurting because they can't have children. And there's a single mom in her hurting because her father was murdered this week. And there are people that found out that they're very sick, as my wife did last year when she found out she had cancer. And people have come today thinking, really, does knowing Jesus change everything? Does it really? Because you might be sitting there and saying, I, I feel like actually just breaking down crying right now. And I think it's a good thing to cry once in a while. Because they that sow in tears reap in joy. Love does not dishonor others. When you get this far in to 1 Corinthians 13 and the characteristics of love, you now come to this point that says love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Having a baby is such a wonderful thing. But you never know what's going to happen to that little child. Because that little child turns into an adolescent, into a teen, into a young adult, into adulthood. And along the way, somewhere, somehow, they got attached to something that is literally destroying them. They are sitting in the room thinking there is no hope. And all they feel and experience in their life is this dishonoring thing. And But the NIV actually says love does not dishonor others. If you look at other versions of the Bible, in the New Century Bible it says love is not rude. In the NASB it says love does not act unbecomingly. In the King James Version it says love does not behave itself unseemingly. In the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it renders it, love 
does not act improperly. The message version of the Bible says, love does not force itself on others. From the renderings of the Greek word, we can actually begin to get a picture of what Paul was trying to say. A few thoughts on that. He was saying love doesn't force itself on others. He was saying love does not act improperly or dishonestly or indecently. He was saying love doesn't behave in an ugly, unbecoming manner. He says love doesn't needlessly offend or act bluntly or cruelly. Love does not behave gracelessly. And if you state it positively, love always behaves itself. It always acts properly and honorably and decently and gracefully. Rather than being rude, love acts out of common courtesy because you get what you give. Mm -hmm. I think what the waitress last night wanted was just a tiny bit of appreciation from somebody. And you say to yourself, well, she gets paid and I tip her. That's not the point. The point is, why was she waitressing at Cracker Barrel in her early 40s? Oh, I never thought about that. Well, I did. Because waitressing is really tough work. And you don't know the backstory. You don't know that maybe her husband ran off with another woman. Or maybe... She was left with zero income and nobody that could provide for her. I go to the McDonald's in Jenison by the old Kmart that is, thank God, gone, finally. And Perkins went to hell in a basket. I liked Perkins, actually. We didn't eat there much, but I liked it. Thought they had good stuff. But I'm glad they bulldozed them. But we go to the McDonald's right there because it's the fastest McDonald's anywhere. Promise you, I go through there for coffee in the morning a lot of times through the drive-thru, and I know this lady there, she is now old. I'm old, so I know old people. She has seen me for years, and I have seen her, and so I asked her not too long ago, well, how long have you been working this window at McDonald's? And she said, because I said, you should be the owner by now, or at least the manager, and she said, I don't want to be the manager. No, thank you. I want to do my job and go home. You want to do your duty and come to church and go home. Don't anybody ruffle the waters while we're there, Pastor. Please have a nice message today. Please don't yell at us. Please say something nice, act real loving today, and have pretty music, and, and maybe come and pat me on the back a little bit and hug me at the door. Don't throw me on the floor, right? Don't kick me. So this lady at McDonald's, she's been there like 36 years. That's a long obedience in the same direction at making Big Macs. That is not something I want to do. But I'm telling you that, are you happy today? Okay, because you don't look happy today. All right. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that lady wants to be known. She knows me. Because she actually said, when I asked her, how long have you been here? And she said, like, 36 years. She said, and how are you doing? That statement, that question actually 
said, yes, I've heard bad things about you, but how are you doing? Made my day. Love does not dishonor other people. It looks to build them up and encourage them. So we have an adult internship that will soon come to an end, and it's been amazing to have nine different adults that come here on Thursdays all day and find out what ministry is about. We don't pay them. They don't pay us. Stacy ended up starting to come. You weren't even on the original list. And you know what I think? I think that it's actually helped you and it's helped Chris. And now that's your brother, I take it, right? Okay. Because you're different. Because you've changed. Because love changes people. But this is the book we use. This is our study. So each one of us as pastors rotates as the teacher for that Thursday. And so we were on chapter 9 this week, which was my week. And you open up the chapter, and it's interesting because he is, the title is Going From Bad to Worse. You know what I'm talking about? Going from something bad to worse. Well, you thought it couldn't get any worse, but it did. He talks about, it's just a funny illustration he uses right to start off the chapter. He says, a young couple was struggling, and so it was recommended to them, and they thought they had their, their final straw in their marriage. They needed to get help, and so they decided that maybe they should go to a counselor. So they talked to the pastor about a good counselor they could go to for marital counseling, and they set an appointment, and then they went. And the counselor uh, looked at him and just thought, wow, he is incredibly insensitive and dull. And she is hyperactive and dominant. Doesn't work. Doesn't work, does it? No, it doesn't work. Now, I'm not sure if she became hyperactive and dominant because he's so insensitive and dull, or if he became so insensitive and dull because she's so hyperactive and dominant. And so I don't want any side mad at me today. <laughs> but if what I'm saying affects you, then it was meant for you. <laughs> okay? You got that? So please don't get mad at me because I want to be honored today. <laughs> Not Einstein honored. All right? So they're sitting in the office and, and the counselor is talking to them. And um, the husband immediately slumped down in his chair. He didn't know what to say. And she just kept launching these verbal attacks at her husband, one after another after another. You, but, but, sir, you just don't understand him. See how he slumped in the chair? And, and see, he doesn't talk. He never talks to me. And he never goes to this. And he never goes to that. And, now oh, I just don't know what to do with him. And all of a sudden, the counselor thought, I don't know what to do with this woman. He jumped up out of the chair, went over, grabbed her, pulled her out of her chair, threw his arms around her, and just laid a big kiss on her. Everything in the room went silent. Dead silent. They didn't know what to say. And the counselor said, now, sir, I'll tell you what the problem with your marriage is. You need to be doing that about twice a week to show her how much you love her. The man in his insensitive, dull way said, 
Well, now that I think of it, I guess I could bring over on Tuesdays and Thursdays. <laughs> because we don't want to deal with it. Because somewhere along the line, we gave up. She'll never change. She'll never change. They won't change. They can't change. They can change. They are changing. They, your husband can change. Your wife can change. You can change. Don't listen. Let, listen to me. I already told the praise band this morning. Don't for one second listen to the devil. He's a master at bringing discouragement into people's lives. He is the master at telling you you're worthless, that your father was an alcoholic, that your mother was like this, that there is no hope for you. Don't for a second buy into his lies. He does not honor and treat us like we're honorable. He's the master at making you think you'll be better off in a different scenario. And God is the master at saying your scenario is good. Give a little praise right now. Yeah? Yeah, yeah? Okay, let's see if there's... Oh, yeah, come on now. Let's see if there's even a little bit of praise in the house, all right? Yeah? Only the first three rows. Only these first three rows. Only those people. There you go. Yeah. And who said church can't be fun? And who said church can't be real? And who says that it has to be boring and stuffy and we need to feel like we're beaten into the ground by the time we get out? Or shouldn't we leave feeling like God is amazing? God is amazing. Yeah, there you go. He just got saved a couple weeks ago. It's true. God is amazing. I already shared this with some people. Yesterday we were in the car, and, and Josiah's in the back seat, and I said, you know what? When Mom and I died, what's the first thing that comes to your mind that you're going to say about Mom? And he said, amazing. And I'm like, yeah, that's amazing. Oh, God, thank you that he thinks that. And then I said, What's the first thing you're going to think about me? And he said, cool. <laughs> I don't want cool. I want amazing. <laughs> I don't want cool. I want amazing. And people are telling you something, but you don't like what they're telling you. They're trying to honor you, and you're not liking what they're saying about you. But maybe it's a good thing that people don't like you because maybe it's because you're doing something for God. Maybe it's because you won't move off your convictions. Maybe you should be satisfied and find something good to say in everything. Maybe you ought to find something good to say to the waitress and the person next to you because life is way too short. Isn't it? The dictionary actually defines honor this way, to highly respect, to actually hold in esteem. So I went further with Josiah Crackerbrown. and I said, well, today you said mom was amazing and I was cool. Have you thought about, like, what the second word might be? <laughs> okay, this, this can be how Satan works. And because he's a theologian, Josiah, somewhere over there. And and he said, for mom, second word for mom, nice. And she went, nice? I thought, yeah, because she, she really is nice. And what's wrong with being nice? 
yeah, I noticed on the Granville High School sign, the flashing sign, it says, be nice. And I almost changed my message to this, be nice. What's wrong with being nice when everybody else is being mean? What's wrong with being nice when everybody else has something bad to say instead of something good to say? I said this this morning. A lady actually wrote to me months ago about this church and said, too many men wear hats. Everyone with a hat on this morning. Shame on you. <laughs> Did you ever stop? Because I like hats. And I'm sure she was talking about me because I wear them up here sometimes. Doesn't mean I don't love God. It's nothing. Get to know me. Just get to know me. I should get to know you. God wants to divide. Somebody in the room is hurt and you won't get over it. And God is saying that you should get over it. You should make things right with those people. You don't know how long you're going to live. Perfect love casts out all fear. You won't do some things because you're afraid what baffles me the most, and we don't get it, is that people who deserve judgment the most and dishonor the most are the ones who are showing the greatest disrespect for other people. They're the ones screaming aloud and showing the most dishonor. There are people in the house who never have a good thing to say. I'll go out in the hallway and they'll run the other way. I don't even exist. They don't want to come near me. Wow. Is it because they just don't feel loved? Is it, a, is it you're afraid to make things right with someone? Through Christ, we are able to experience God's glory because he saved us from the wrath that we actually deserve, didn't he? Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Do you know that it's actually a service to God to open your mouth and honor others? It's actually an act of love today. Like, I will get on Facebook late last night, and before I even got a chance, Maria Denhoff was the first one on the list to say, oh, you're so cute. Oh, you're so nice. Oh, that's so wonderful. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody else notice that? She's always on there pouring love on her. I'm like, what is wrong with you? The whole world isn't puppies and rainbows. Well, just ask you a question. Do you respond better to kindness and love or to dishonorable, disrespectful avoidance and nastiness and what I call hate? It's really sad. We are able to experience God's glory by being servants. The word honor actually means to regard with great respect that you respect where someone else is at. Because otherwise, we're going to take that word respect and we're going to say, they need to start acting like they deserve respect before I give them respect. No, they don't. Give it anyway. Oh, yeah, it's easy to give respect to the waitress at the, the Cracker Barrel. But what about giving respect to somebody who doesn't like you at all? Who won't even talk to you. What about giving respect to your husband when he does something that cripples you? Or your wife, who you don't show, feel shows you any love. What about respecting first? You know how I'm wired. I give out cards 
to the men and men's Bible study of things that they should remember forever. And one of them is the law, laws of sowing and reaping, right? What you sow is what you're going to reap. You sow honor, you'll get honor. You sow kindness, you'll get kindness. You sow true friendship, you're going to get friendship. Oh, God, right now I say this as a prayer. God, some of us need to reclaim what the locusts have eaten. You ready? Yeah, you ready to do this? God, help me take back what the devil has stolen from me. Hmm? God, help me reclaim loved ones that the devil has claimed. Oh, he'll do it through any means possible. He'll make you depressed. He'll make you go to addictive substances and think that that's how you can get rid of the pain. No. You get rid of the pain by completely surrendering to God. Stop arguing with God. Really. Even though he is most powerful, holy, loving, perfect God, he respects us. You want to know why? Because when he looks at us, he sees Jesus and all of Jesus' glory, not our own failures. We're washed in the blood of Christ and cleansed white as snow. We are now worthy of the respect of God. When God looks at me, he doesn't see Gary Peterson. He sees Jesus' blood as my covering from all sin. You know what our churches are doing? We're excommunicating people because they're not living up to our standard. No, they're never going to live up to your standard. You will always be able to find flaws in everyone. Yes, you will. You know this is true. They're not living up to our standard. Well, they're going to repent before I love them. Well, wouldn't that be something if every day we had to repent for every single sin we committed? Yes, that would be awful. God does not hold us up to that standard. He sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, his blood, on Gary Peterson's account, says this, washed in the blood of the Lamb. When I was a kid growing up, my parents had a lot of marital issues, fought all the time. But finally, my dad got this offer to build this little church, and they supposedly came to Christ. So in the mornings, my mom would play the radio in the kitchen. There was a Christian radio station, and every morning at 6.30, this song came on. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing blood? Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb? And I'd go, God, I hate that song. <laughs> but God was working on me. Have you been to Jesus for the cleansing flood that took all of your sin and made you beautiful? Why can you not forgive your spouse when you have been forgiven so much? Why can you not forgive your enemy when God sees Jesus' blood as covering our sin? How come we could point fingers? Finger pointing should be over. He sees his son in all of us. That's what God sees when he looks at me as his son, Jesus Christ. See, life can be an absolute disaster if you're not willing to forgive. You will be a whining, complaining Christian, a whining whining, belligerent, stubborn, 
me first wife. If you don't understand, you're washed in the blood of the lamb. You don't need to be. Ladies, right? That was four. How about a big yes? Oh, Jesus. That was a Jesus moment. A miracle just happened. Oof. It never pays to be rude. You honestly think that you're going to win your husband by this. You need to get off that couch. You look like a big fat cow laying there. You need to go do this right now. That's going to win him. How about if this? How about if you walk in the room and say, honey, can I sit next to you? Do you mind if I put my arm around you? You say, are you kidding? He'd think I'd lost my sanity. <laughs> Probably would. You don't win people by being rude. Did you know that treating others with loving, common courtesy pays great dividends? Oh, yes, it does. Oh, yes, it does. Because when the waitress was real nice to us last night, I left 20-some percent tip. I bet you anything that waitresses could tell you that the tip is greatly dependent not just on the service but on their attitude. And so you don't like what's come your way, and so you think you have the right to have a bad attitude. But I believe this. If somehow something has entered our life that has wrecked our vertical relationship with God, it is also affecting our horizontal relationship with everyone. Even the people sitting next to you are being affected by your negativism. <clears throat> now, I've been out there many times, and I always think, well, by now they're drifting off, so you need to wind this down, buddy. I've been out there, and I know how this goes. I, I, oh, yeah, come on now, come on now, come on now. Everybody listen up. You're sitting next to your spouse, and you're thinking, I am not about to move an inch because everyone will think I'm guilty. You know how that goes? You know you're really convicted, but you say amen anyway. <laughs> That's how it goes. But if we don't see the vertical relationship as needing to be right with God, our horizontal relationship will be wrong with your own spouse. I believe that most rudeness and dishonor come from something that we call offense. We get offended. But you don't know what happened to me. Do you know when I was in the, other, the theater the other night, and you need to go watch, I can only imagine, all, every time the father came on in his meanness, all I could see was my father, and I was shaking. Because men aren't supposed to cry, and you can't let anyone else in your family know you're crying at a movie because they'll think you're a woman. <laughs> but I heard Nick crying, so it set me free. Because he's the man's man. My son-in-law is the man's man. I'm not saying it. I'm saying it as a compliment. He is the man's man. What's wrong with crying? Not a thing. We think there is. We think we always have to have an answer for everything we do. We need to be able to explain our actions to everybody. And we get easily offended. You might already be offended this morning. That's what scripture says. Jesus actually said this. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, 
You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them and then come and offer your gift. i got to stop there for a minute because it's important. You're going to read it wrong otherwise. You are the offended party. The offended party is the one that is responsible to go to the offender and say, you hurt my feelings. You, you, you offended me. Offense is an event. It happens somewhere. It's an event that transpires, maybe on a daily basis with some people, maybe several times already this morning you got offended about something. But remaining offended is a decision that you have made. And do you know that you could pick up other people's offenses quite easily? Well, I don't like you, Pastor, because you did this, and I don't think you should have done that. Or I don't like him because he's associated with so-and-so. Give it up, people. You know what can happen if, if, we, if we join together as a people of God? Do you know the things that can happen? We can see miracles happen, can't we? Absolute miracles will, will fit, uh, follow us. Verse 25, settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you are still on the way, on your ad- or your adversary may hand you over to a judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. Truly, I tell you, you will not get out until you have paid the last penny. What he's trying to say is this. Don't go through all that hassle of lawyers and court and garbage. Go talk to your brother. Go talk to your wife. Go talk to the person sitting in the room with you right now who has hurt you because an offense is an event that could be changed by you actually deciding, I'm not letting this go on. I'm going to have the joy of the Lord today. You know which people are always offended? The ones that always think they have to have an answer for everything. Sometimes you don't need to say a word. Blow it off. It shows your maturity level, does it not? Let it go. Why do so many children like that ridiculous movie? There's no kids in here, I think, so I can honestly say it. It's like revealing that the bunny, Easter bunny is not real. Let it go, let it go. It's because it's a strong message sent to little children who are on their way to becoming murderers. I'm not saying this to hurt anyone in the room, but somewhere along the line, Something happened to a young man who began to hate his own father and murdered him this past week. When did that happen? When are these things happening? This event that takes place that makes your son or your daughter so angry that they want to murder somebody, someone who actually loves them. This is the problem with what's going on in our public schools. Kids are full of hate. How did that happen? They got offended about something. They felt that they were mistreated or whatever. Or they, they become angry. 
And I, I've given you over and over the card that has seven steps to destruction on it, and you know what they are. Unforgiveness, number one. Resentment builds out of unforgiveness. A desire to get back, retaliation comes out of that. Anger, you get boiling, seething anger underneath the service, which leads to wrath, violence, and in the case of this young man this week, shot his father and shot a 16-year-old kid in the back. How does that happen? Let's go all the way back. For some reason, he couldn't get over the fact he was adopted. I want to tell you this as a, as a parent of adopted children. Adopted children are wonderful. Breathe that into them every day. You are loved like crazy. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. You're amazing. You're cool. You're nice. And Josiah changed, he changed his top two things about me. When I asked for the second thing of me, he says, amazing, because I didn't want to give you the same thing I gave mom. So I'm cool, amazing, and she's amazing, nice. So I'm cool, amazing, and she's amazing, nice. When you see her, go, hi, amazing, nice. When you see me, hi, amazing, cool. AC. AC, not DC. AC. AC. See, you can brighten and lighten somebody's day. You can, you can change the direction of someone because we are one decision away from changing our destiny. Some husbands need to lean to their wives right now. I'm not saying you do this because it'll be a dead giveaway. <laughs> but there's, there's, there's like friction between you. You are driving him further away. You need to forgive him. And sir... You need to get rid of the most ridiculous ideas you could ever imagine and apologize and mean it, and both of you need to move on. Because I ain't having you in my office and kissing none of you women. <laughs> because you know what's going to happen? I'm gonna, my wife's going to be furious at me, first of all, and probably slap you ladies, and then people are going to spread rumors. He kisses every woman that comes in his office because that's what the devil does. He twists everything. Do you know that the closer you get to Jesus, the less you'll dishonor other people? Your critical tongue will stop. Your vile, foul mouth will change. Picking up a stick to hit someone will cease forever. You won't need to beat your kids because they will feel they're crazy loved. Yes, yes, yes. Stop that rude, rude. My dad did not drink at all. The man in the movie did not drink. They just have violent anger issues. The way you address your wife and your children speaks volumes, does it not? Now somebody's going to say, yes, he did drink. I saw the movie and he drank. Good for you. Doesn't matter if he drank or not. Anger at that level is wrong. You don't beat your children. You don't get them in a room, shut the door, and scream at them like they're idiots. Every kid in this church was fearfully and wonderfully made and is amazing. Yeah, you agree? That's what they need to hear. You're amazing. You're amazing. I saw your little jewelry thing online. She's like a celebrity on, on is that messenger that you put it on? 
a business. Okay, so she comes on. Hi, ladies. Today, I have this amazing pearl necklace. It's genuine fake pearls. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I got this coat a while ago, which is, I'm so hot right now, I can't stand it. And I looked at it today thinking, this was a leather coat, it says, pleather. <laughs> it's fake. It's not, it's not even real leather. No wonder it was $2. Yeah. Do you know how easy it is to be deceived? How are you today? Fine. That's my phone. I, I promise I did turn it off. <laughs> Danny. <laughs> Danny's laughing because he's thinking, you're a technological idiot. <laughs> You have any idea how easy you can get offended? Huh? Because you've lived your life like that. Nothing could be good. Let me just point out a few things here. These are awesome people right here. Those ladies behind them, and Daphnia Sutherland has a little girl. How old is she? Almost what? Almost 11, and Daphnia has raised her all by herself. Daphnia Sutherland is an awesome lady. She lost her father this week at the hands of her brother, and I'm sure she loves her brother still. You never, ever in life know what is coming down the path. I just wonder, I think to myself, Maybe if we would speak a little more honor into people, crazy things wouldn't have to happen. You agree? Okay, find somebody right around you and say something nice right now. You have an opportunity. I'm on page 11, sound, or people up there. Page 11. So, I'll back it up to page 10. So, I'm going to ask you several questions in closing this morning, all right? In closing, before the praise band comes back, and we're going to sing another song. But I want to ask you a couple questions here. Number one, are you bringing dishonor to someone you supposedly love? Unkind words, no words, too many words. Too few words. Not building them up. Number two, what are you currently trying to fill your deepest desires with? Busyness? Work? Nastiness? Hobbies? Addictive substances? Number three, do you seek acceptance by making hurtful jokes and using biting sarcasm? Four, do you seek attention by dressing a certain way? Ladies, men. Five, do you seek fulfillment with a substance or an addiction? 
Six, do you find it easier to find something wrong with others more than you try to find what's right about them? Are you proactive in giving out compliments and loving words? Or do you have to get some to give some? Are you blaming God for anything going on in your life right now? I, I said this to my wife this morning when we were getting ready. I said, we've been in church work 43 years. In every church that we've served and worked in, there have always been fights between women in the church. Always. I can, I can think of many, many quarrels that have gone on between women, and I cannot recall any, and I'm sure there are, fights between men. Maybe men are just better at hiding it. Maybe it's that men just don't have any friends and so they don't have that opportunity to get offended as much. I don't know. Anything's possible, but I do know this. Even in this church, there are things that must be made right. Are you listening? Husbands and wives, right this moment, you need to get over it and honor your spouse. If you're waiting for the other person to do it, it may not happen. You do it anyway. If you do it expecting an immediate response, you're doing it with the wrong motivation. You need to do it because God says to do it. Love does not dishonor. Love is not rude. Love is not critical. Love does not look for what's wrong with the situation, but what's right with the situation. It doesn't abuse other people. It's not just behavior modification. It's about inner transformation. Only the spirit of the living God can innerly, inside, I don't think that's a word, is it, honey, innerly? Oh, shoot. It's a word in my dictionary, dictionary. I, I live with a walking dictionary, and I love her. She's amazing. Yes, she is, and so am I. <laughs> and you've just decided you're never coming back here again. Oh, my gosh. Life is just crazy. Love never treats people like outcasts or trash. You're always waiting for the other person to repent or come to you. Maybe they never will. Do you have any idea how long I waited for my father to say the words, I love you? My daughter, Danielle, got married about six years. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Fix. Six years ago. And my dad actually came to my house for the second time in my life. I'd only received in my entire life two letters from my father and two times he visited my house. He's still alive at 92 or 3 years old, but only came to my house twice. On the second time, it was 10.30 at night. He had divorced my mom and married another woman. This just happened six years ago. He's sitting downstairs watching TV with his new wife, and I said to Becky, I can't, I can't go anymore. I can't, I can't do this anymore. I've held this in my whole life. I've wanted to kill my father so bad. I used to think when I was a kid, you are the meanest man that ever lived on the planet. As soon as I am big enough and strong enough, I will beat the crap out of you. But that's not right. 
He's my father. He gave me food. He gave me shelter. Maybe he didn't do the best job of, of showing love, but I, I really honestly think that somewhere down inside he does love me. And so I went downstairs. I got Becky, and she said, not now. It's late at night. And I said, no, we are going downstairs right now, and we're going to talk to my dad. I want to know if he actually loves me. He was asleep, sitting up asleep, head bobbing, because, see, we start to go there when we get old. It's like, oh, my gosh. I said, Dad, Dad, huh, what? I said, I, I, I need to know something. What? Do you love me? What are you talking about? Dad, I never, ever once heard you say to Mom, I love you. I have never once heard you say, I love you to me or my brothers and sisters. I have to know, do you love me? Of course I love you. Ladies and gentlemen, why is it so hard to say that? Why is that so hard? I want to enjoy every day of the rest of my life with my wife because she is amazing. And my daughter sitting next to her who has a baby inside her belly right now. And my son-in-law, Nick. And my other daughter, Danielle, and her husband, Dan. And my son, Josiah. And all of you. I want to be a man that loves and honors other people. And find something good to encourage you with. And give you hope. Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous is God's work in you. Wouldn't we change the world if we lived that way? If we honored and respected others the way we ought to, the story is told about a man who wrote a book. His name is James English. He talks about a black man whose poverty had left him begging for food. He was at the, the doorstep of a rich man living in a big house. He rang the doorbell at this mansion, and he was told to go around the back where he would be given something to eat. The owner of the mansion met him at the back porch and said to him, First of all, we're going to bless the food. Repeat after me. Our Father who art in heaven. And the hungry man said, Your Father who is in heaven. And the owner said, No, 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 you didn't get me, sir. You're to repeat after me. Try it again. Our Father who art in heaven. And the black man said, Your Father who is in heaven frustrated the giver of the food said why do you keep insisting on saying it that way why are you not just listening to me and repeating what I said you should repeat and the poor man answered if I say our father that would make us family and I'm afraid the Lord wouldn't like you asking your brother to come to the back porch to get some food I'm not ashamed to be your brother. I'm not mad at anybody in this room. I'm not ashamed to be your pastor and to be your friend. I love you. I love Rock Church. I could hug everybody in here. Not kiss everyone, but hug them. <laughs> I could hug, right? Don't you feel that way? Isn't that the kind of church you want to go to? Where you know you're not being stabbed in the back, but you're actually really, really super, super, incredibly, incredibly loved. Yeah. 
You need to make a decision right now. Can I accept the love that Christ has for me, that kind of love to change me and actually love someone in particular the way God wants me to, to go to someone and tell them there's an offense between us and I want this to stop. I, I honestly want this to stop. I want to walk through life being an encourager. Yes, seriously. Bow your heads a moment while the praise band is coming. We're going to sing a song before we walk out of here. And we're still going to get out of here in five minutes. If that's your thought. Please do not leave. Please just stay these last few moments. If you're in the room this morning, you're here by God's design. There is no question about it. He told you you should come. And so he's also speaking to people. If you are absolutely certain you're going to heaven when you die, you'll know. Because you had this moment in time when Christ came into your life. You accepted what Christ did on the cross as the payment for your sin and were saved from hell. You may be in the room and that's never happened and you know it needs to. It needs to happen today. This is your appointed day. And you'd raise your hand and say, I don't know that I'm going to heaven for sure, but I really want to know. Raise your hand. Anyone? Last week a man accepted Christ. The week before a man accepted Christ. I don't know, Pastor, but I'd really like to know. Could someone show me how I can be sure? Anyone in the room? Just slip your hand up quickly. All right. Second question is for Christians. How many of you know that you want to start to be someone who brings honor into other people's lives? who is loving and giving and forgiving and treats those around you with honor. And you could think specifically this moment that God is talking to you about that and you're going to walk out of here different. Raise your hand. That's me, Pastor. Oh, yeah. Most of the people in the room. Look up here. This is your assignment. Don't even leave the church without doing it. God's laying somebody on your heart right now that you need to say, I love you. You're not an inconvenience for me. It's God that has you in my life. I love you. I care about you. And you will start today bringing honor to other people and not rudeness and not meanness. And, you, and it starts by forgiving. So you got to start by forgiving. You might need to forgive someone. I don't care. I want you to, I don't care if your eyes are open. I want you to answer this question. How many of you know specifically of someone that God is challenging you to totally forgive. Raise your hand. I need to forgive that person. A multitude of people. Forgive. Let it go, okay? I want you to stand. We didn't stand at all. This is what's going to happen. We're going to sing in the victory. Come on, stand up. Thank you so much for sticking around and listening to the word that God has for you. We pray that you go out into the world now and you live differently, you act differently, and you love differently.